Yeah, otherwise just wanted to see if uh, you knew anything about credit lines, um, specifically credit lines with old uh, Beanie Babies. Oh, so you, just wanted... you want credit on Beanie Babies? Right, as, a, as collateral. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. shit, we're live. Bear with the fans theme. Go! Welcome to the Bear Weather Fans Podcast, the best Bears podcast you're listening to right now. You're listening to Patrick and Coach Bob at Bear Weather's Fans Podcast, and we are excited to hear you. Coach Bob, say what's up. What's up? All right, here we go. <laughs> so this is uh, the first regular season podcast after week one is in the books. We... Uh, Man, it's been actually kind of a crazy season. It's, you know, obviously a 17-game season this year, so it's already a little bit odd. But uh, week one in the books, uh, Bears did not do what we were hoping for, but it was the Rams. We didn't think uh, if there was a win, it was kind of a remote possibility. But uh, anyway, Bob, what do you think? Yeah, I uh, I don't know. My, my, you know, really taking a step back view of the game, probably a different take than everything I'm reading online about uh, you know, from Bears fans where, you know, everybody's ready to fire Matt Nagy and the Bears are terrible. Uh, I watched it and thought I was actually not disappointed at all. Uh, this is kind of exactly what I expected. A few things pleasantly surprised me, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I didn't think things were laying out for a week one win. So, um, uh yeah, it is what it is, and I'm sure we'll get into it. But yeah, I, I was not disappointed. Certain things I really liked. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't all doom and gloom. There were things to like. There were a few concerning things, but that's the NFL. No team's perfect, and uh, you just play with the team you have against the team you face. So, we're going to go through, but for those of you not familiar with the Bear Weather Fans podcast, maybe you just learned English this week, and this is your introduction as um, a point of excellence of how to use the language. Um, this is the Bear Weather Fans podcast. What we do is we start with um, This Week in Bears History, where we break down where we were at this particular week in previous seasons of Bear History. Uh, we break down this week, uh, the news, what happened, the specific game. They're going to go by position, where we break down each individual position of greatness and how they can continue being our proud Bears players. And then finally, we're going to go deep, where we look ahead in the schedule and see how we're going to fare down the road. So, this week in Bears history, uh, we're going to kind of count down backwards, 2018. Uh, so, a lot of good season openers that could be in this list, but uh, 2018 was kind of the infamous season openers, the first uh, regular season game of Khalil Mack. He was traded like, I'm pretty sure like five days prior and just showed up and dominated for the entire first half of that Packers game. So, yeah, week one, 2018, Khalil Mack domination game against the Packers. We talked about we just don't watch the second half of that game. Absolutely. Um, that's it. Yep. Really good first half. Really good. <laughs> Part of me is like, ah, was that the best half of Khalil Mack's career as a bear? Uh, it might have been, which is a little sad since. He still had a good Bears career, let's be honest. But yeah, that that was uh, boy, did it get off to a good start? And we were sitting here going, "Okay, we got him. He's good. We're, we are in really good shape." Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. When I was scrolling through score, scores this weekend, and I saw what was going on in uh, Green Bay, 
I, you know, I obviously was getting excited because them losing gets me almost as happy as the Bears winning. <laughs> but uh, when I saw the score in the third quarter, all I could think about was that 2018 game one. And I was like, yeah, it's not over yet. <laughs> Temper your enthusiasm, Coach Bob. You can't get too excited. They still have Aaron Rodgers. It's flabbergasting because, and honestly, I don't watch a lot of non-Bears games. And for some reason, Aaron Rodgers has his personal vendetta against the Bears for, I mean, I guess they're rivals, but like, it seems completely like no reason behind it. But he's never played a bad game against the Bears, like ever. Like the worst one he played was that Thanksgiving they won, and it was still like a very good game. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Oh, he definitely, but, he uh, definitely brings his A game for the Bears, which sucks. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, like this week one game was like, watching Aaron Rodgers play that badly feels like you're having a stroke. Like something feels wrong. Like your eyes, what you're seeing doesn't match up with what your brain is trying to interpret. Right, because like I remember an MVP season last season, and it almost looked like a television host was playing quarterback. (laughs) Right, it might have been Alex Trebek. Yeah, it could have been. Um yeah, that would make sense actually if he's like, "Oh, I, my reps this off season were still with Jeopardy." So yeah, um, yeah. Fun fact: um, Justin Fields had more fantasy points than Aaron Rodgers this, this that week. That is incredible. I I will say one of my buddies at work said, you know, he had Aaron Rodgers in two leagues, and I think he scored one point or one point Jesus. something points, or just some atrocious score, and. Uh, yeah, and he goes, in one of the leagues, I only lost by three points, so shame on my opponent, because, <laughs> but yeah, it was crazy. That's, I mean, that's shame on him for using Aaron Rodgers in Agreed. any capacity. Uh, Agreed. So. He is a Bears fan. <laughs> it, it is shame. Yeah, it's disgusting. So, so 2018, uh, 2017, this week in Bears history, was Glennon's first game uh, as a Bear, and uh, it was... Eh, um, he completed 26 of 40 passes for 213 yards and one touchdown for an 86 rating, which is very meh, but is also better than Andy Dalton's rating. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say very meh, and I feel like that might be the best game a Bears quarterback's ever had in the history of the team. Uh, (laughs) 60% completion, 200 yards and one touchdown. Boy, that sounds like a good game to me. Right, (laughs) just like... God, I love it. It's so funny seeing so many Bears fans this week. I don't even want to, spoiler, we're going to get to it, but, um, seeing how many people are like, yeah, Dalton played a good game. Like, he threw one pick, like, he, I don't know, he just dinked and dunked in the, in the middle of the field when it didn't matter, when it got the red zone, he threw a back-breaking interception, and like, yeah, it's, I don't know, our, our standard is so low, and, It uh, is. We've really been treated to some impressive quarterback play. <laughs> So that was uh, 2017. Um, the last time a quarterback started his first game for the Bears, besides Glennon, as of note, is 2009 when Jay Cutler played his first game as a Bear. Um, and that was really exciting. So we traded basically entire drafts worth of picks for him. Everyone was like, oh my gosh, Pro Bowl QB. Like, this is the answer. Like, we'll never be embarrassed offensively again. And uh, then he played against the Packers and threw four interceptions. <laughs> yeah. Which was a career record. That that is a nice record to get when you become a Bears quarterback. It sure just feels yeah. like that's how it goes. <laughs> I rewatched some of it too, and it wasn't like unlucky, like bouncing off somebody's hands. Like he was just terrible. It was yeah, just so throwing bizarre. to people that weren't open. <laughs> God, 
I will say, yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest Tom Brady fan of all time, even though he's super good. But right. like looking, you know, when people just tell me to look at stat lines, if I haven't watched the game, stat lines don't mean that much to me unless it's something like thirty two for thirty five for four hundred yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Like that's oh, you played a flawless game, period. Right? But yeah. like like in Brady's case it was like three hundred plus yards, four touchdowns, two picks, and you wonder like, eh, was it good? Was it aggressive? And I watched the game. I don't know if you did, but uh oh did not. Yeah, the two I picks. Did not. Pick number one is a check down to his running back, hits him in both hands, who uh Leonard Fournette decides to throw it straight up in the air to a safety or something and pick off and it's like there like there wasn't even a defender near him it was like you and I make that catch nine out of ten times Uh, and that's me selling us short and then uh, his second pick was a Hail Mary at the end of the half that was actually straight to Rob Gronkowski it just was also in coverage and got tipped and picked and it's like oh his two picks were like oh like zero percent his fault um (laughs) So it should like if that stat line didn't have two picks on it, you're looking at it going, man, he's the week one player of the week, and yeah, you know, people that don't watch it look at it and go, oh, there's a couple blemishes on that game, and they are absolutely not on him. So yeah, that's that's like I am a firm believer that um, Hail Mary, any kind of Hail Marys just shouldn't count against QB at all. Absolutely, like you're basically a punter at that yep. point. I mean, honestly, like I'm gonna go as far as to even say if it is recorded as a drop also because that's a stat that's kept if it's a recorded drop that's intercepted on the drop like i don't know how that's a interception either like yeah i get if like you're in coverage and it's not a drop like it's an interception you know like if it's tight coverage and it's tipped and picked that's not a drop this is like it hits you in two hands no defender and somehow it got picked like i yeah but i agree with you like there'd be easy ways to say like this is statistically like cannot be the quarterback's fault yeah, that's why, I mean, we could go on this kind of tangent forever, but that's part of what makes NFL so, like, mysterious in some ways and inscrutable and, like, so late to have an analytics re- revolution is, like, if you're in basketball, you have so many games and it's so controlled. Like, all right, how many, whatever, three-pointers this guy have? And you can, like, uh, measure those, and those are, like, uh, very quantifiable results. Whereas with the QB stats, it's like, well, the receiver is also running, and they might run the wrong route, they might drop it, or like the coverage might be different. Like it's like trying it would be like trying to do analysis of basketball if the hoop was being carried by somebody else running a route, and you only had sixteen games, and they and, like, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's there's so much noise and so little sample size. It's so crazy. Like anything can happen, basically. Mm-hmm. That's why sometimes it really does come down to the eye test. Like if you watch enough football, not like somebody that's never watched, but if you're somebody that watches football and you like, I'll say, you know, and we're not experts, but you and I have watched more football than most people. You watch Justin Fields play. You watch Andy Dalton play. I don't need to have been at practice to know who's the better quarterback. And I don't think at this point, even the coaches think Dalton's the better quarterback, but, and we can get into that later, but like, it's it's the eye test in addition to the data points yeah i 100 percent agree and like you can if you're really good at controlling data this is such a tangent but if you're really good at controlling data you can like really do the deep analysis of like all right i'm gonna control for drops and get to control for 
they were on routes for whatever, forced interceptions that weren't his fault, but still, like, yeah, at a certain point, it comes down to the eye test. Like, all right, can you hit a guy uh, to throw him open at all levels of the field, and can he uh, maximize his protection and evade pressure when it comes down to? And that's like, I don't know, yeah, I agree. Eye test is more for the NFL than any other sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the old 20, uh, 2009 Cutler's uh, first game. There's a few other ones of notes, but uh, I think it's pretty much the big one. Yeah, so those are the kind of the last QB first starts of memories. Uh, Glennon's, which was mediocre, and uh, Cutler's, which is somehow worse than Mike Glennon's first starts at Bear. So figure that one out. Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, well, that was this week in Bears history. Let's go on to this week's news. That was important. That was uh, that was necessary. Absolutely, it was. Okay, so the Bears, Rams, Rams thirty-four, Bears fourteen. Uh, I know you are not one to rest on your laurels and toot your own horns, so I'm going to do this for you. Uh, actually, in a couple of different ways, but one of them is you got your pick ex- pretty much exactly right last week. You said it was going to be like. Rams, I think you were like two points off. Yeah, I think I think I said thirty-one ten. Thirty-one ten, okay. But I'm not. Sh- I don't remember exactly. But yeah, I felt I felt pretty good about that pick. It is funny. Uh, I appreciate the compliment coming from you. I was very proud of myself. I told <laughs> my wife about this because I was like, oh, I, I had a pretty good guess on the score. And then I told her, and she goes, "You missed both." And I was like. <laughs> What? <laughs> it's like I called the winner, and I called the twenty-one point win. It was a twenty-point win. It was like in the thirties and the tens. Like I was pretty darn close. Nope, that it not does not meet this. Mm-hmm. Doesn't pass the sniff test for my wife. She was uh, yeah. not impressed. I thought you were a coach, not an amateur. Yeah. <laughs> so another um, toot your own horn thing that I want to talk about is you talking for weeks about. Uh, Chris Corfist's training of David Montgomery and how specifically his quickness has increased so much in the training he's done to become quicker, which is something that we've harped on, or especially you, for like literally weeks. And so finally people are realizing this week one, like, oh my god, David Montgomery is really fast now. And that's awesome. Yeah, th- that was super exciting. I- I'll say, like, you know, I-, I couldn't have predicted that he was going to have that good of a game. Um, especially against that D-line. I I mean, during the game, they said, unless I got this wrong, they said that last year the Rams allowed zero 100-yard rushers the entire season. No rusher the whole year ran 100 yards. And David Montgomery did it in week one against the Rams. Like, that is not a team you run all over. And he ran all over them. And at one point they made an announcement. I was like, man, you haven't been watching this game. The announcer is going on, and he goes, and he says David Montgomery stats in the first half, and it was like eight carries for seventy-one yards or something like that. And he's like, but forty were on the first carry. I was like, he still has like thirty-five yards on seven carries. That's like five to seven a pop. Like he is crushing it. He's on fire. Like <laughs> yep. this wasn't just. I mean, and that that average was without his big first run. Like it was not like he had eighty of ninety yards on one carry. Uh, he was doing it every single time. Um, and actually, I think the most impressive run was the one where he got stood up in the backfield by a 300-pound lineman and turned it into a three-yard gain. It was like six yards after contact. It was so impressive. Right. Yeah. Oh, so I have so many games that I want to play with you as kind of like a point to illustrate a point, but you're too informed to do so. Like, what do you think? And you already know. 
But so, like, yeah, because, like, there's that play where uh, he, like, bounced off Aaron Donald and just kept going. Like, are you serious? Like, what? Oh, he was good. He was good. So, all right, so you, you kind of already know this, but, yeah, so Dave Montgomery, 108 yards, 16 carries, uh, 6.75 yards per carry. So knowing that, 6.75 yards per carry, what was his average yards after contact? Hmm. Yards after contact? Yeah, which is kind of a roundabout way of saying yeah, yeah. how good do you think the line was. <laughs> uh, right, <laughs> like, right. I, I would guess, like, three? Uh, he had, this is according to Pro Football Focus, 5.1 yards oh after contact on average. Oh my Isn't God. that absurd? That which is, is a terrible... <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Like, yeah, so he is getting hit at the line and making it six-yard gains. Like, that's crazy. right. I know that's Which not is, every play, but that's that's silly. Yeah, and that is definitely his the story of his career so far as a bear. is like, yeah, he gets smashed at the line and somehow bounces off for another three yards. But, um, all right, so knowing that, um, yeah, five-point yards after contact on average, which is absurd, and I think he leads the NFL if not second. Um, how many average air yards does Andy Dalton have per throw? This is going to be low week one. Week one, this is going to be low. <laughs> so to be clear for listeners, um, you have your uh, yards of passing. That includes yards after catch. The receiver gets a screen and runs it for 20 yards. The QB gets 20 yards, even knowing it's like a one-yard pass, which is kind of what we're talking about for controlling variables. So yeah, you attempt and, to do something like that. A vertical, it's vertical yards. So like if you throw yes, sir. a 20-yard pass straight horizontal, that's zero. I would say yeah, like six yards. Maybe. <laughs> so with uh, Dave Montgomery's 5.1 yards after contact running, Andy Dalton, Andy Dalton has 4.1 average Shut intended up. air yards. Oh my god! <laughs> that's not even completed air yards. That's intended air yards. That's so bad. That's so <laughs> bad. That is so short. I will. Okay. So to that point, like at, you know, and I'm not trying to sit here and be a Dalton defender. Just a second ago, I did say that I thought um, Fields is the better quarterback. But mm-hmm. um, I will say I read a bunch this week after watching the game and all the haters on the on the team and how poorly they played and all this stuff. Like I said, one, and like this is a big one. I thought the running game was spectacular. And if that can stay even remotely that good, we can be a good football team. Um, and I actually think Justin Fields makes the running game way more dynamic. So if that switch happens... Now David Montgomery is not getting linemen closing down on him because they have to respect Fields breaking the pocket and stuff. And now Montgomery's getting better games, which is crazy to think about. I mean, like he could be a two thousand yard rusher if that happened. But seriously. Um, anyway, I did not like. This is a big tangent. I'm sorry, but I was going to say it at some point. I was not a fan. And this is the coach in me, but I was not a fan of Godwin going out and running his mouth. And I don't know if you saw this, but he went out and just started talking about like, I don't call the plays and we got to throw it downfield and all this stuff. And I will say like to the, to the point you just made about the air yards, all the passes were short and I think they were too short. And I think they're like that average gets totally changed. That's why I guessed a little higher. Like if you throw one bomb, like just one, deep threat that's going to change the average by a couple yards just because like you said it's intended even if they don't complete it 
one attempt over the top is going to be, you know, a 50 yard attempt or whatever. But, um, I was not happy about, and I think he's new to the team and you're running the mouth after one game. Like, Oh, that's not a good look. Keep it in the locker room. Um, but I will say I understand the game plan of the short passing game. The ball had to come out fast. We were terrified of our own lines ability to protect, protect anybody. And if you took deep, long drops, you were going to get sacked. That defense is that defense's front is too good. Our O-line, I thought, was pretty good, but it was pretty good because we were having two second-long pass attempts. Um, so they had to hold up for about two seconds. Um, but, I, I mean, for anyone that watched the game, we also went to our third-string left tackle. <laughs> we, we lost our 39-year-old. Who saw that coming? I think you did. Um, I think you said, oh, wait, he's older than my great-grandfather. No way he can play left tackle in the NFL. <laughs> and then, the time. Yes, and then our fifth-round pick rookie left tackle he got hurt so we're going deeper than a rookie fifth round pick to play left tackle with Aaron Donald on the line like I don't I don't know how I feel about this uh so I get like I feel like their hands were tied you have to throw short and as a result like some of these things happened but yeah not a fan of Godwin running his mouth about not getting the long ball we just didn't have the ability to hold the ball in the pocket and then toss it downfield. So, um, yeah, anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to go on that huge tangent. Just that was one of my huge thoughts from the stuff I've seen post-game. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. There are two big points to make there. One is about uh, the scheme of the Rams' defense and how to scheme against it. And the other is about the players' reaction this week. Uh, and I want to I want to go back to the players' reaction, but first I do want to talk about the Rams defensive scheme because I think it's very interesting and pretty important. Um, so the Rams defense, for those of you who don't know, in 2018 they had like the best offense in the league. They were crushing it. They scored like much more. There's a whole article on Athletic about like what was the one weakness to stop them, but they were scoring uh, on average 21 points a game and usually way more. They're crushing teams, and uh, the one team that stalemated them was the Bears defense with Vic Fangio at the time. And uh, so there's an article here specifically um, on The Athletic called Sean McVay, Brandon Staley, and their clashing football evolutions that could shape the direction of the NFL. Uh, and basically, Sean McVay was the person who kind of found out the... I'm sorry, uh, Vic Fangio of the Bears defensive coordinator was the one who kind of found out the Rams' offense of how to stop them, which is like, okay, this is a team that uh, specializes in explosive plays. So what we want to do is be... Uh, kind of conservative and stop those explosive plays and force them to be really disciplined and throw short and run short over and over and over. And uh, they kind of talk about how that involves a lot of cover two, which for those of you who don't know is um, like two deep safeties or sometimes even cover six, which is, um, so, yeah, like, so cover two is um, two deep safeties, one safety on each half of the field, dividing the field in two. Or sometimes they'll do cover six, we'll have like a half field safety on one side and then the other half is divided into two so it's like part cover four part cover two so it's cover six anyway um so i want to read a quote from this article talking about the evolution of vic fangio's defense he has assistant was uh, brandon staley who um sean McVay immediately hired after the season he's like i want this on my team bring him over um so they're talking about um how this fangio defense that became staley's defense that became the rams defense uh, under these conditions, they're, so they're super um, 
eliminating those big plays. They're keeping people back. They're forcing you to throw under coverage. Uh, quarterback's highest probability throw becomes a check down or similar short pass. The Rams' defense ranked number 7 in the NFL in pass attempts of 20-plus air yards last season and were first in the league at stopping explosive passes when they did occur. Uh, the defense fully commits to all this, which means offensive coordinators have to accept short yardage runs in bulk. Um, small ball throws and perhaps the defense can't get off the field, longer drives that open wider opportunities for error. Staley bets that an offense will mess up somehow when forced to stack up agonizing little pieces of yardage instead of attaining a back-breaking explosive yards play. He bets that they won't be able to bear it, enough to where they overcommit and the defense can either take the ball away or force a stop. 10,000 paper cuts. So that's like the Ram, Fangio's off defensive scheme, which became the Rams' defensive scheme. It's like limit all big plays, force you to be perfect over and over and over and grind it out. Um, so when there's a lot of criticism on Nagy and Dalton for doing those like little throws, it's like, man, they were in like cover two or sometimes cover six. They'd have like, th- you know, three or four safeties back there. It's like, you shouldn't be attempting deep throws against that. Um, it, but yeah, right. I mean, maybe now and then, but like, it's hard to, and it's super hard to, when you don't really have confidence in the line and you've got yes. to give them a little credit to say like, we're trying to protect our biggest weakness which is the O-line. And the way you do that is you play into their scheme a little, which is unfortunate, right? It is unfortunate that they were prepared to handle the Bears so well. I mean, they are also the number one defense of last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So, yeah, it's just a bad matchup, I think. Like, yeah, the, the defense is so good. It is scheming specifically to the Bears' weaknesses where they have a good defensive line. The Bears' offensive line is at least questionable. Um one thing I wanted to run by you, and this is pretty exciting. Uh, so, the chance of scoring per play on a specific NFL down. So, any given down, the chance of scoring a touchdown that play. Um, how far towards the opponent's end zone do you think you have to go to get... Let's see. Let's go above... Alright, so a, a chance of a turnover on a given play is 1.6%. So, going towards an opponent's end zone, how far deep do you have to go to get a higher chance of scoring on that play than you would a turnover? So, 1.6% chance of a turnover. Is this for any team or the Bears specifically? (laughs) For any team. Because I would imagine the Bears have such limited explosive (laughs) plays. You have to be on, like, the five-yard line. (laughs) Seriously. So, and it's scoring a touchdown? Yeah, scoring a touchdown? Right. Um... Man, I bet it is so far downfield. I bet it's like... I bet it's like the... the, I could be so wrong on this. I would bet it's like the 15-yard line. Like, you need to be in the red zone. (laughs) So, to be... Let's see, make sure I have my numbers right here. Yeah, it's, it's pretty damn close. You're... Technically, you have above 1.6% chance of scoring, which is a t- turnover rate. You have to be within, like, a 35. Okay, 35? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. But, and then to actually have favorable odds of, like, scoring, which is, you know, there's, like, four downs, so greater than 20% chance, that's, like, within the five. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. That I guess that's sort of what I was kind of getting caught in. It is, I mean, 1.6% is pretty low. I should have gone a little further out. I was just thinking there's got to be so few plays that are actually that big-time play 
when you're not that close to the end zone. Right. And so kind of I'm getting at um, also, so when you're way out basically your own end zone, your chance of scoring is like nothing. It's like 1%. Um, so another test, I guess I've already kind of told away, but you don't really see increasing chances of scoring on a given play uh, until you're within the opponent's 35. That, yeah, that's what I that's what I figured from what you said. Just because, like an 80 yard bomb or 60 yard bomb, that's just the play got past everybody. Yeah, like, there's no difference there. That's why I went all the way to the 15 because I was thinking even at the 35, and I can I can kind of see where that is now. But like. I was thinking, even there, you you still kind of have to get over the top. Yeah, and which is crazy to me. So basically, the entire time you're marching, say you get the uh, ball, your own fifteen, you're marching, you know, five yards a clip, or whatever. You have a greater chance of turning it over than having a score, like for forty, fifty yards. Like you, you know, you start mm-hmm. at your own ten, fifteen. Like you don't even begin to have greater chance of scoring than a turnover until yeah, in, within the thirty-five. You don't have, like, legitimately good odds until within the 20 or 15. It's like you are basically in this weird zone where you are, even though it seems like you're making successful movements, like, hey, we're marching down the field, like, you have a better chance of something bad happening than something good happening, basically, if that makes sense. It totally does. And I'll say, like, again, because we've talked about the Bears lowering our standards, mm-hmm. one of the things that I I found encouraging, even though the Rams, you know, like, let this happen, we'll say, or, you know, encourage the Bears to do it. I was encouraged that they were able to march the middle of the field. Even though that's not where the money's made, in my opinion, that eye test, that part of, like, oh, we can do some things. And maybe, to your point, like, the Rams were just too good at, like, eventually causing the mistake or eventually clamping down when, you know, the field got smaller, all that stuff. That's all fine. I was just glad I could see them move the field. Like, I swear, all I, like, I remember way too many games to count where it's like, oh, that's our sixth three and out. And, like, <laughs> like all we do is, like, underpay our punter because he's the most used player on the team. Like, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, even though I don't know how I feel about the fourth down decisions and stuff that were on the 40, like, I, you know... I don't hate those calls personally. I, you know, they didn't work out, but like, I, I, I was just glad we got to that point where we're even having the discussion: do we go for it on fourth down here? Where I feel like so many times we get to fourth down, and we're on our own twenty-five, and we're like, ooh, they're gonna start right. with pretty good field position. Yeah, like, and that's with the punt. <laughs> right. This is at least giving us a chance to go score. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I like I said, there was there was a decent number of bright spots and. And I will say, like, watching the game, it was more competitive than a 20-point game because it stretched to 20 points late. Like, it was a one-score game in the third quarter. Like, mm-hmm. that that was a competitive game for a long time. And, you know, and a few of those fourth downs didn't work out when we were potentially in, like, very close to scoring position. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I was not totally deflated with the week one loss. No, I was actually more upset last even 2019 the last two openers where it's like okay mitch hasn't improved at all like the offense is still a mess like the the offense wasn't a mess it just had like a lukewarm quarterback and like if you play calling but yeah uh, it's so easy to look past the lukewarm quarterback because we all know what's sitting on the bench (laughs) exactly which is like what a man so 
Yeah. Yeah, with that in mind, I want to transition a little bit to the other point that we brought up, which is uh, people's reaction to uh, Nagy's play calling, which we've kind of addressed, like, you're playing into your defense's hands, and there's an old saying, like, oh, you took what the defense gave them, which I kind of hate, because it's like, no, you should be attacking the defense, but yeah, I understand, I like, yeah, you have to kind of scheme around, like, um, yeah, I think you brought up in a previous episode how, like, the worst thing you can do is just show up with a plan in mind, just do the plan no matter what. It's like, you do have to adapt and run with the defense, you know, based on what you see with the defense, be options, whatever. So... I don't know. I'm not totally excited about the offense, obviously, but it's also not... I don't know. It just is lukewarm, I guess, is what we're kind of getting at. Um, so let's hear from Bill Lazor, who is kind of an interesting dude. Um, and they're asking him basically about Justin Fields. So his first question is, uh, based on what he did week one, is Justin Fields ready for a full series? Do you I think saw this. You did? Oh, great. I did. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, this is fantastic. So, do you think he can be handled as a full series? So let's do this. Um, I, I, I would have said after the preseason he that he's moving quickly and ready for whatever's thrown at him. So I, I don't think anything's changed. If he's ready for it, then why why isn't he getting those additional chances? I think Matt's probably addressed what his philosophy is on the quarterback position. I don't think that's... <laughs> that's so fantastic. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to pause it here. There's a good... I have it at 30-second mark. There's 12 more seconds of him just trying not to laugh and failing. So we're just going to have him laughing for a little bit here. There you go. Smile here. <laughs> he's, he's la- yep, just laughing. Okay, I was laughing just more at... So, anyway, yeah, 12 seconds of laughter. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that that is, um, I will say, like, right there, you know, um, I, I have a lot of thoughts on, on, on Bill Lazor. Um, one, I do think he should be calling the plays. I, I think... Unless you're like an offensive genius guru, it's tough to be head coach and call the plays. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's honestly like just doing too many jobs. Uh, a few coaches can do it, but like I, I genuinely believe that uh, Matt Nagy is a good coach of the people. I think he can rah rah troops and he can lead, which is super important. Um, I think that Bill Lazor called plays last year, and for the short time he did it, I thought we looked better. Um, and I think that the offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, should call the plays on offense. I think the defensive coordinator should be communicating the defensive plays, and I think Nagy should oversee the whole thing. But having said that, I don't think. Laser should be saying these things, just like I didn't think Godwin should be saying those things. Like, <laughs> man, this is like the reporters are asking mom and dad at the same time, and somehow they didn't have their answers coordinated. Like, oh yeah, he's ready. Oh, if he's re- like, they, he didn't see that. It felt like he didn't see that follow-up question of like, if he's ready, why isn't he playing? Like, like that was some secret question that the reporter like had this stealthy move. Like, no, obviously he asked you that to see. Why is he not playing? Everybody wants him playing. And he was like, oh, that's Nagy's decision. Like, oh, man. 
Like, there's no way that's what you guys came up with to answer to that question. <laughs> but, yeah, it was hilarious to see it. Fun for us. Yeah, I. this is what makes me worried, like, yeah, because your point, um, the Bears offense under Matt Nagy, he's a play caller, has been bad basically his entire career. There's like a few weeks in 2018, his first season of play caller, where they were middle of the pack, and then they were bottom five or bottom ten the rest of the time. The one exception being um, if you go by expected points above average, um, which is from Pro Football Focus's uh, analytics, um, when Bill Lazor took over play calling, it went from like a, on average negative 10 EPA to almost 20. So it like jumped up out of nowhere when Bill Lazor took over. And then as soon as Matt Nagy took over, it went back down. So it's there's a very clear... Um, progress that needs to be made and uh so the saving grace is like well the people really rely on him or rally around him they like he's a man of the people so then when you see quotes like that where like bill lazer's kind of showing contempt for man aggie that's what makes me worry like oh no that was like your one thing like what what is happening i i agree i like, like i said i think he should be calling the plays i think that's an obvious switch it must just be a confidence thing or like you know i i don't know but um yeah, it, it disappointing to see that discontent right there. But, uh, yeah, I will say uh, one of the first knocks I had on Matt Nagy was three minutes into the game. They called a timeout, and it was very clearly because he couldn't get the play call in. And mm-hmm. it's like, dude, that's unacceptable. And they're like, what are they doing calling a timeout three minutes in the game? It's like, well, obviously it's because Matt Nagy's sitting there staring at the sheet, can't make up his mind, and he burns the timeout three minutes into 30 minutes of a half. Like, that's ridiculous. It's so, yeah. I mean, they are routinely so late to bring a play. Like, they're so late to line up continuously. And even last year, like, it became a big hubbub when Nick Foles was like, you know, oh, yeah, like, sometimes I know when Nagy calls in a play, it took him so long to get it that we won't be able to line up and execute it in time. And that was, like, a huge hubbub. And then it's still happening. It's like, what mm-hmm. What can we do to make this work, you know? Yeah. Well, you can let Bill Lazor call the plays. Right. Oh, my God, yeah. So... And Lazer's funny. I think he's got some Vic Fangio in him where he's just like a really like not flowery guy. But every mm-hmm. interview I see of him, like Presser, makes me think he is like very wryly distancing himself from Nat Nagy. He's so like... So yeah, he doesn't get fired coach. at the same time. <laughs> right. It's like a, it's a tightrope walk. Every question is either like... Well, you have to talk to coach about that. It's like... It's so weird. I did, I did get those vibes too. Which... You know, I don't know how I feel about it because, like, I, I don't love a ton of turnover midseason. It could be great, and it hasn't been great with Nagy. But, like, when, normally teams that are firing head coaches don't have prolifically successful seasons with, like, True. interim head coaches and stuff. So, you know, I don't right. know if I love the idea, but I also, I, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Um, for posterity, um, so I, I agree that it wasn't terrible with Dalton, although, um, I don't know. I guess I don't know what I want because you can't just deal with the defense. Anyway, I'm going back to before. Um, so, stat comparisons. So, Mike Lennon was 26 for 40, 213 yards, one touchdown for his uh, opener, which is an 86 rating. Uh, Andy Dalton was 27 for 38, 206 yards, one interception for 72 rating. So, 86 for 72. So that's kind of the caliber we're dealing with, and Dalton has had a very low um, average yards per attempt for several years. But 
I don't know. There is an eye test thing, and he doesn't look terrible. Uh, I just I just want Fields to be in now. I'm just ready. What did you think of his first couple plays? It, it it was good. You know, it's funny. I I read other things that were criticizing his use, and they're like, if you're going to save him for his health, why are you putting him in a running play? And I was like, you think they're saving him for his health, you morons? Like, no. They're letting him develop is the argument, not that they're worried he's going to get hurt. It's This is the regular season. This is the worst, right. like, interpretation of what's happening of all time. Now, I, li- I actually thought... I, you know, I'll say I was pretty impressed that they, despite not starting him, found a way to get him NFL speed reps. Like, it made me feel like he's coming sooner than later because it was like, oh, well, here's what the play is going to be. Even like we talk about, like, not really wanting to, like, predetermine plays. At least if he knows, like, hey, this is the play you're going to go in for. When I'm ready to call it, you're going to run in and run it. Like, he can get his head around it. Not that he needs that time, but just, like, so he can be calm see it, run it, like you can build in some success for him where he can process what he's going to do. And I think he can do all that, but I just think there is some wear of like new play, new play, new play, new play. And just like, you know, getting ground down by like getting hit, new play, hit, new, right? Like especially playing that defense. So like I, I was glad he had a chance to see NFL speed and get some reps. Um, he also got to show off his legs and score a touchdown. Um, I mean, I don't know what his passer rating was, but it had to be pretty darn good going two for two <laughs> and uh rushing touchdown. I mean, yeah. pretty impressive. I guess it can't be a perfect passer rating probably because he didn't have a touchdown, but it was, it was, he also didn't meet any minimum attempts requirement probably, but I mean, very, I, I, I was impressed with what I saw, but there was nothing challenging about any of the plays he did. Everything was first read. Um, granted, he still looked good doing it so i'm still excited mm-hmm. for him and like i said I, I i genuinely think that was a savvy way to get him some nfl speed reps with the first team yeah i actually agree i i kind of like the approach if you're not going to start justin fields like to me this is the ideal situation where you put him in to get some game speed reps with a limited playbook that he can feel comfortable with and slowly expand um, my biggest concern with Justin Fields to the Bears was like, oh my god, Matt Nagy has literally just shown us that he can't handle a QB uh, using that rushing threat to incorporate into the playbook. Like He almost never got Trubisky out on his legs, and he was a QB who desperately needed to use his legs to move the chains. Um, so seeing him, like basically his first play with Justin Fields as a QB doing like a run option or whatever was like, awesome to be. Like, yes, like you understand... Like, this is a great skill set that you must use. So that was really exciting. Um, and obviously, yeah, scoring a touchdown. is like, okay, like this dude. Um, I don't know, it's cool. It, it's He's such an exciting dude. I don't know how long he's going to be on the bench for, but uh, just seeing him get some reps is awesome. I, honestly, that, that indicated to me, and I remember I said I was predicting more like week eight. I did not think he was getting any snaps. Just that changed my mind a huge amount. Because mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to get more than five snaps this week, and yeah. I think his snaps are going to increase until he's the starter. And you know, and, and I don't know if that'll come sooner than later, but like, I would say if he's not the starter this coming week, I bet he gets more than five snaps. Like, and that's the move is to like integrate him into the offense as opposed to just like feed him to the Lions, which I think is honestly like what you would be doing had you started him against the Rams. Hundred percent. 
Yeah, and I will say we talked about how terrible the matchup was for the Rams' defensive line compared to the Bears' offensive line, but I actually think the Bears' offensive line looked okay. See, and that's the one thing I'll say. While I did not like Nagy's play calling, Nagy's decisions, I think, led to the O-line looking okay, which is where I'm going to give him credit. Like, because of the short passes, the it's out of your hand immediately, he neutralized their best player. And it's funny because then Godwin complained, oh, well, you fed into Jalen Ramsey's hands because he's making the tackles at five yards. And it's like, okay, well, if you take a deep drop, you're getting smoked for a 10-yard loss by Aaron Donald, and you might fumble. So, like, which pick your poison. I'll say Jalen Ramsey is incredible, and he is not the best defender on that team. It is Aaron Donald. So And, like, I'll say also, the announcers even commented on it. He had a pretty quiet game apart from, like, the last play or the set, you know, whatever, the last drive he had his first sack. But like that yeah. was because of what they were doing. So I, I don't know. I, I'll give him credit for that. I think that the coaching made our own line look pretty good. I'm still a little worried about our line because I think we do have to wait a little longer for plays to develop, to get downfield. And I'm not sure how it holds up in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. I totally Dig the schemes, keep me away from Aaron Donald. I maintain that the game highlight for me was watching Dave Montgomery bounce off of Aaron Donald for the games. Like, dear Lord, this dude's untackleable off the first contact. It's incredible. Um, there were a few things scheme-wise that really frustrated me. One was um, a screen that got blown up because they asked Marquise Goodwin to block Jalen Ramsey. and it's That like, was a bad call. <laughs> like This dude is like an old... Journeyman, or not old, but he's, you know, journeyman wide receiver who... And tiny. It's so yeah. tiny, yeah. So, yeah, five foot nine, 179 pounds, and that's probably a generous reading for him. Uh, <laughs> so, one thing, let's see if I can find this here. So, the official quote for uh, Marquise Goodwin was talking about playing directly into, uh, like, the Rams. Yeah, let's see. Um Marquise Goodwin said uh, on the approach of the Bears against Jalen Ramsey, who is like an all-pro cornerback, second-best player probably in the Rams defense. Well, definitely, he's, definitely. He's a unique player. An all-pro, pro bowler, instinctive, especially in short spaces. And us not running past 10 yards. That fell right into his hands, I feel like. Which is kind of true, but also it's like, I don't know. Do you want us to throw deep against, like, cover four? Like With Aaron know. Donald coming down on you? That, that's what I'm saying is, like, it is tough. I, I agree with him. Like, that's good for Jalen Ramsey. But, like, mm-hmm. the Rams are fortunate enough to have the best slot corner and the best interior lineman on the same defense. Mm-hmm. We don't have that. <laughs> like, we have Khalil Mack, who's one of the best edge rushers. And it turns out we have Eddie Jackson, one of the worst safeties in the NFL. <laughs> Somebody who we haven't been paying like $56 million or $60 million or whatever it is. I, I swear he played incredible into a contract, and then he has done nothing but laugh all the way to the bank ever since. The Joe the, Flacco effect. Oh, my God. Yeah. When, like, when he didn't touch that guy that was down, you should have heard the words I was saying on my TV <laughs> by myself. Like, is this is – this, uh, flag football is this your first time playing how do you not know to touch him when he's down like i'm calling it live and then he gets up and i'm like oh well that's a touchdown you're an yep. idiot eddie jackson and yep. then like 
the post route that goes to his side while we're playing cover two. When you were talking about that before, it was so funny because you were like, oh, cover two is tough because you got both halves of the field. And I almost chimed in then and went, unless Eddie Jackson's on one of the sides, because then <laughs> one side's still open. Because they went right past him for a completely blown coverage like, you know, if I could throw far enough, like I can make that throw because there's not a defender within 15 yards. And to your point, we're talking about like big play touchdowns. Well, there's 14 points. And that game sure would have felt a lot different if they didn't have those two bomb touchdowns. We would have been in the lead or right on the game the entire game. So, yeah, very frustrating. Thank you, Eddie Jackson. Yeah. So, dear God, there's so many so many points we could talk about. We do need to address Eddie Jackson, but I want to back up a little bit to our talk, I think, a week or two weeks ago about uh, Sean Desai and us talking about how, like, when you have a guy who is praised for um, how smart they are or how like complicated the things they come up with are, that's a red flag because you want, I think you talked about, you want people to be playing without thinking. You want to be instinctual. And Absolutely. you want, yeah, you want those fundamentals to be grounded into them so much that uh, it's just without thinking. Um, so I was curious because under Vic Fangio, like every single defensive draft pick and every single free agent we got panned out. Like, every single one was playing the best ball of their career. Like, what a weird coincidence that every single player in a Vic Fangio became, like, you know, ended up being a good one. Um, Which is kind of the opposite of every offensive player under Matt Nagy, but that's another story. So, um, I wanted to read this interview of when they, uh, when the Broncos hired Vic Fangio, talking about why they hired him. It says, Vic really impressed us with his attention to detail, his focus on teaching the fundamentals, technique, and playing disciplined football. Always said. So it's like, you know, Vic Fangio is an offensive coordinator. He deals a lot with the scheme, but that's like his attention. And what he instills on his players is like fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Like you, we're going to drive this into you, so you're going to be really good and instinctual about this. And uh, the it's like you can almost measure with each week Vic Fangio's gone, that stuff slips further and further away from his old player's grasp. Absolutely. And, yeah, no, so yeah. It, yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. It's funny you brought it up, and I had not thought about it until you said it, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, the more you think, the less athletic you are. And to your point, like a head coach can be brilliant, and I think we can acknowledge brilliant head coaches, but just like anyone like at the top, you need to tell people only what they need to know. You don't need to tell them all the BS. Like... You don't need every every player on an offensive scheme to know every other player's role. You need to know your job, and you need to do your job. And if you're thinking about everyone else's job, you're thinking too much. Go do your job to the best of your ability. And yeah, I don't I don't know what Eddie Jackson was thinking on that blown coverage. Like I gotta believe that if you're a too high safety, somebody running to your half of the field wide open has to be the priority, um, especially when they're passed off to you. <laughs> and instead, he's, like, trying to cut down some out route or something, and then, like, guy's more open than he's ever been in his entire life. But, yeah, like, that has to come down to overthinking because he's athletic enough and capable enough to be in the right spot there. He's just not in the right spot. Um, and, yeah, I felt that way on kind of a lot of plays. And it's crazy how much it comes down to, like you just said, the fundamentals. If you can just do the fundamentals right, like – know who you're responsible for blocking or tackling and go do that thing, that's all you really need to do. 
And if every piece does that, it works out really well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, one thing I thought was super interesting is reading about uh, Kyle Shanahan's um, coaching in the offseason and training camp, how uh, they're saying, like, yeah, he runs the offensive line through rushing drills, like, over and over, like, an ex- excessive amount. And that's part of why I think they have so many injuries. It's like, the, it seems like the 49ers are always a little bit beat up, but they also have the best rushing game, like, every single season. And, like, they have a great scheme, but also it's like they, like, drive that stuff in, like, so you're not thinking. Um, so on specifically that play you talked about earlier where uh, Eddie Jackson's like, didn't tackle guy. And so for those of you who don't remember, uh, it was either cover two or maybe even cover six where um, to me it looked like there was um, one safety kind of on the right side of the field and Eddie was paired with another, I think a cornerback, on the left side kind of dividing that half into quarters. And Eddie was supposed to bracket the receiver on the inside because he already had a guy on the outside. So you're supposed to kind of bracket him on that, and then let's the other guy cover the half field. And so Eddie, for some reason, didn't go inside of him. So he had this guy had a free post route, just like un, uninhibited, so the timing could be perfect for the QB. So you're already fucking up. And then the guy caught the ball, like, whatever, 50 yards downfield, and then Eddie also didn't touch him while he's down. I was like, dear Lord, this is so many breakdowns for all-pro, former all-pro safety who's being paid more money than God. It's, it's crazy. He's being paid like an all-pro. Yeah, and yeah. by the way, that tackle he didn't make yeah, was as difficult as touching somebody who's already laying on the ground. He didn't right. actually have to make a tackle. He literally just had to touch somebody while they were laying on the ground, and he ran right past them and went, ah, like, <laughs> I forgot shrug. I need to touch them when they're down. Oh, like, shoot. what are you doing? Yeah, like, we joke about, like, I could, but literally you and I could have made that tackle. Yes. That is an NFL tackle I could make. Good times. And would know to make. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about that game? I want to run through kind of status of our, our positions here. But, uh, I don't know, any other final thoughts on the game um, as it stands? Yeah, I actually had one other thing. And it, it's kind of funny because it, it's something that the Rams did. And I think we should have done, but it, it's just it's curious to me. The Rams schemed to get away from Khalil Mack, just like we schemed to get away from Aaron Donald. Two incredible D-line talents for opposing teams here. But I was reading up on stuff, and it was basically an argument for Khalil Mack, and it just had a lot of good numbers in there. I I was somebody that... I, I'm always skeptical when a player as talented as Khalil Mack, who does pass my eye test and all that stuff, and he's done all the things to show me he's super good. And super hardworking, like he doesn't just take plays off. So like, you know, how does he have a game like this last game where he's got like one tackle? And yeah. you're like, oh, that just make he's just an average guy. And what this article said, you know, you could take it for, I'm not going to quote it because I don't even remember where it was from. I apologize. But it, basically the guy was saying, you know, I went back through the film and he only had six legitimate chances at a quarterback in the entire game. Um, so they either put... Stafford in shotgun, and he took like a two-step drop and got rid of the ball where like nobody in their right mind could get there, like even unblocked, they're not getting there. Or like moved the pocket or double-teamed him or whatever. And they didn't double him that much, but like they did enough where he only had six even chances, meaning like regular pass plays where he could have gotten to the quarterback. Um, 
and and he didn't in those. There was one pressure I think that Pro Football Focus called one of them a pressure, and I think he did like bull rush the uh, right tackle like all the way into Stafford's feet, and he still completed the pass, but like he caused a pressure on the quarterback. But that's with like he really only had like six good chances at it. And now I'll say he probably should have gotten more than one pressure out of that. Like he's a superstar. I would have liked to see more than that. But like for people that are like, oh, Stafford threw a lot and he never got there. It's like, well, but they they did things to keep him from getting there, which is part of why he's so good. Um, Now, all that said, we did that with Donald really well, too. We schemed away from Donald. What I would have liked to see is I would have liked to see the shots downfield. Even, even, like, I'm not saying, like, just throw it mindlessly, but I mean, like, you're dinking, you're dunking, you know, you're here, you're there. I would like to see the, like, the go route or the double move one time where, you know, you've just convinced the D-line of the Rams that you are going short on two-second throws eight times in a row, take the shot. Like, they're tired, they sprinted for eight straight plays, now take the shot. And you might get past in your front interference you might complete it whatever but like we never took that shot and the rams did and it felt like it paid off every time they did um and i feel like even like i said when we play teams and they don't complete the ball which the rams did because eddie jackson let people run wide open but like had they not it's so often pass interference because somebody's out of position and like even if it's just thrown up there like the defender's not normally looking now i'm not saying throwing a double coverage or whatever i'm just saying like let build in some chances, and it didn't feel like we built in any chances. Uh, so that that was the one thing I was disappointed in. But that's only a handful of plays that I would have changed. So anyway, yeah, it was just kind of my last thoughts on like Mac not having a huge game. I felt like McVeigh. That's because of Sean McVeigh, not because Mac sucks. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's like. Yeah, in the same way that Mac was schemed out, like, okay, so you don't want to be anywhere near Aaron Donald, this offensive line. Like, okay, like, let's scheme him out and maybe have, like, a rolling pocket or a bootleg or something to buy yourself time or even, like, um, a play-action shot play. Like, something, like you're saying, to at least threaten the deep ball so that you can make sure you stretch the defense out for future plays and get more yards after the carry, especially when Dave Montgomery is having such a good game. It's like... You should be running down their throats until they're anticipating the run and then play action, shot play. Like, that should be... Play yeah. action was actually the one that I was thinking we should have done. I didn't say it there, but yeah, that was what I was thinking mid-game. was like, we're running it so well. Really sell a play action, then take your shot downfield. There is no way that all those linemen are going to be, like, in their gaps and ready to sack the quarterback when we've handed it off that many times in a row, that successfully. That's your shot. That's how you build in the time, and you give your you hide your O lineman in the form of run blocking, like sell it, and then you get yourself the time to take the shot. And yeah, we never did it, and that was disappointing. Yeah. So yeah, I'll say my two cents on the game we've already talked about was that David Montgomery is amazing. Gosh. I'm so excited for him. He's like he's incredible, man. He's um, so that was cool. I thought he had a hell of a game. We'll continue to the season. Um, I was a little question off it's a game plan, that's pretty much it, but whatever. There's a lot to like. It's a long season. Um Alright, yeah, let's move on to by position. Alright, let's start with wide receivers. Um so obviously we had Allen Robinson running five yard curls for an entire hour. 
Um, that was pretty fun. But uh, no, I don't know. Mar- Marquise Goodwin was in there. I mean, it's hard to judge any of them because nobody was running more than like a five yard slant in there. Um, which, again, people have criticized the lack of a deep passing game um, and how there's, you know, only one pass past 15 yards. But I don't think that was fair because that pass past 15 yards was um, deflected. It was an interception because he hit a lineman. It was intended to be eight yards. So just chill out, people. <laughs> so no deep passes. No, yeah. So just <laughs> take it easy. Um, we were consistent. Yeah. And not throwing it deep. <laughs> no, I thought the offensive line looked good, though. I, uh, yeah, like we talked about Jason Peters. Um, you know, I think a leg of his fell off. Like, that dude is so big and so old. Like, the fact that he can support himself is incredible. He should not be expected to play a full game ever. No. Um, he had a sweet block. They even commented on it. He, like, saw a blitzer late. I don't know if you saw this play. Maybe you remember it. He saw There was, like, a corner blitz, and he saw it late. Because he's 145 years old, <laughs> right? And, and he's just like looking to help, and then he sees this guy come in, and he just gives him a shot, and the guy <laughs> goes like 100 yards, and like came nowhere near the quarterback because you just got hit by Peters, you just got hit by 310 pounds. This poor cornerback, I think, broke his spine. Like it was insane, it was insane. This late block that just came in and took this guy off his feet. It was so impressive. <laughs> He's just the juggernaut. Like yes, so big. He limits your playbook a lot. Cause it's like this dude is a thousand years old and weighs five hundred pounds. But like he's not going to do any reach blocks. He's not going to be, you know, sweeping from one side to the other. But like by God, he's pretty okay. Yeah, yeah. got to go around him. <laughs> yeah, um, earlier on Hogan Johns today, <laughs> Hogan was like, Justin Peters is listed at 230. That's very, no, I'm sorry, not 230. It was like 320. That's very that right. generous. Yes, <laughs> no, is... he's way more than 320. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, yeah, maybe when he's a rookie. Yeah, um, yeah. Before but... he took this last season off and gained a bunch of weight. So <laughs> <laughs> fishy when they called him and then like three weeks later, he's playing his starting left tackle in the NFL. Go figure. Yep. Um, I thought, so I guess just, yeah, Peters is back. Uh, I thought Larry Borum looked good before I he I thought he did too. Yeah. I thought he did too. And I thought the whole inside of the line did look good too. Yeah. Man, I thought Daniels played great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Mustafer didn't look bad to me, especially with Aaron Donald. Like, that dude was just such a wrecking ball. Oh, he could have made them all look embarrassing. And they yeah. all looked just fine. I agree. I thought the, I was impressed. I was impressed by the line. I was impressed by the the running game. I, I thought the wide receivers impressed me as much as they could for doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually thought Cole Komet looked pretty good too. Um, Hell yeah! As in terms of like tight end play, blocking and everything. Uh, I don't think it was his block that was the highlight of the game for me. It was the tight end. I don't remember who it was. It was did, like did a reach block and blocked two dudes on Justin Fields' touchdown. Yes, that was sick. Like making the edge, then getting the next block. Oh God, was that? I'm trying to think if that was Jesper Horstead or uh, I don't JP Holtz. I yeah. feel like it was JP Holtz, but I could okay. be wrong on that. I don't remember who it was, but when I saw it, I was like, that was impressive. Yes. It was seriously as impressive as Fields' run to me. But I was more excited about Fields' run, just because I'm excited for Justin Fields. But that block was so good. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, for a dude who is not a superstar, that was, yeah, that kind of made the play. 
Mm-hmm. Which oh, totally. Like I don't think Fields gets that touchdown without that block. So that, that's how no. big it is. Which it worries me. I mean, I guess offensive scheme is about putting players in his position to execute, but it worries me a little bit that all the good plays were um, either a broken play or players executing at an insane level. Like so many, like we talked about um, David Montgomery's runs that being like almost all after contact. Like that's not a good sign. That's not great. Like no, it's not. Or yeah, that touchdown relying on that amazing block. Or um, like Andy Dalton's best play of the game, arguably, was when like the plays all broke down. He scrambled and almost got a touchdown. Um, it's like stuff like that, which I remember being a theme week one through like week four of last season. It was like. Oh no, all the best plays are when the normal play breaks down. That's not good. And then we ended up having a very bad offense that year. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I am hopeful that Justin Fields can add a piece of improvisation where it doesn't really matter. Like, Nagy can't screw him up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the Russell Wilson special. Like, it Absolutely. doesn't matter. He's so good off script, it does not matter. Mm hmm. Okay, so we're going by position. We thought uh, wide receivers look good. Yeah, I didn't see any egregious drops. The routes look good. Um, yeah, I mean, the short game looked fine. Uh, yeah, running backs look incredible. Even they're kind of running back by by committee there. I thought I was frustrated at first when they pull out Montgomery after an amazing run, but I don't. It seemed like they did fine actually. I feel like sometimes they do that literally because they get tired. Like they just ran too far. <laughs> And also, yeah. he did hurt his hand at one point. That had me scared, but mm-hmm. seemed fine when he came back in because he played great. So, do you subscribe to the belief of momentum or like rhythm? It's oh, like, totally. So, if it's you, are you leaving Dave Montgomery in when he's crushing it? Um, I am, unless he's so winded. Like, I would say, you know, I don't, I, I can't say I know what it's like to coach in the NFL, but I would say. If I had a clear number one running back, like even if you're going to run by committee, David Montgomery's the number one. Like, and I don't think anyone's arguing that. Certainly not right now. He's the number mm-hmm. running back one. I would hope to develop a good enough relationship with him that he can be honest with me when he needs a quick break. Meaning, like when he's feeling the mojo, you just feed him the ball. Like you don't, you don't give him the break. But then when he goes, you know what? I need some oxygen. He runs the sideline, gets his oxygen, takes his little break, and then runs back in. Like, I'd like that to be the player's call. Because I'll say, like, as an athlete, I can tell when I'm, like, in that, like, you know, you turn the cra- you flip the crazy switch and, like, things are just going. You actually saw it with Akeem Hicks. Do you remember? They, like, zoomed in on him, the cameras. I don't know what feed I was watching, but they, like, he made a big play, like, where he pressured the quarterback. I don't know if he got the sack or not, but he definitely blew up a play. And he was just, like, screaming at the O-lineman. Like, he was making those bear noises you were trying to make on that preseason podcast that never came through. And he was being so disruptive that they got a delay of game. Actually, I think I I have a clip of this. Let me check out. This is the audio. (laughs) Yeah, so that was a clip from Akeem during the game. Yes. So, like, because he became an actual bear... They got a delay of game after that. And you could, and then he starts freaking out and clapping and all this stuff. And you're like, this man right now can actually run through a brick wall. Like, right. like we we're talking about momentum and stuff. Like, he was so worked up that, like, there was no fatigue. Like, there's no – like, he's going to blow up the next plate too. Like, there's – like, there's – you can't stop him. He's too big, too strong. And he is now, like, in this 
you got him riled up and freaked out. Like you can't like, no, you, you lose here. You got to You have to put two guys on him. Sorry. And like, I know you can't just always live in that state. You know, some of the best, you know, try to, but like with David Montgomery, some of those times I felt like he was in it and he like feed him, feed him, just keep giving him the ball. And like I said, I get it if you're tired, but I would like to develop. I would like there to be a relationship there, and I think this is where Nagy could be good. I think he could have that good enough relationship. I think that's his only strength to be able to say like it's your call. If you're in that like, if you turn the crazy switch, you just run all over him all day, and then like because the other thing is like, and I know it's not a crazy thing to say like that they make their own call. These guys call themselves out all the time. Like you take a hit wrong, you know, and you're sitting there and you're like, ugh, like you know. I need a second to catch my breath because I just got my net, my wind knocked out. Like they make those calls all the time, just like mm. along those same lines. I'm not going to pull you just because you had a long run. Are you feeling it? And so, I would have liked to see that. Yeah, I agree. Um, what frustrates me is in the past we've seen a tendency of Nagy to do like uh, what feels to me like ruining that momentum or that like. I don't know, that rhythm for the sake of like, oh, well, I have this specific package I want to use, or I have like this trick play type thing, and I'm not that mad because this time was putting in Justin Fields and it worked, but just in general, like the one good play that um, Andy Dalton had was like finally marching down in the red zone, like, all right, pull him out now, put it in Fields, like, ah, uh, and I don't know, I, I guess overall I'm happy about it, but it, it's weird when you do stuff like that, or Montgomery had a huge run and they pull him out for uh, Damian Williams. And uh, they did that a few times where as soon as Montgomery would have a big run and maybe, you know, they're saving him for later in the season because it's a long season and it's the first game of the year, so maybe he's just winded. But, like, I don't know, Damian Williams had six rushes for 15 yards. Like, he was not, I don't know, he, he looked okay, but... He, he did not look good to me, yeah. <laughs> his, his, uh, his crime against me as a football fan that did nothing to contribute to the game... Right. was that he... That's what we all are. It's fine. Yeah, he <laughs> this was is what we're the, about. Yes. He was the number one culprit of the get the ball and go sideways. Right. Not even on all of his rushes, but like he like caught a few out of the backfield. And he caught a couple where I felt like he's eight yards deep, go for it and get the first down. And he would like get fancy. And he never gained yards after it. And I was like, dude, get downhill. Get I can't, I can't speak. Get downhill. <laughs> like, come on now. Like, you're not a burner. You're not Godwin. You're not like some of these other guys um, that can really burn. Get the first down. Like, you are in here as a running back number two. Like, right. you do not get to just dance around and not get the first down. Right. And that's like a somewhat understandable situation for like a rookie or it's a preseason or ever like Damian Williams has been in the league for like nine years yeah yeah getting downhill is not a it's not a novel concept no. I didn't just come up with that one. Oh, go get yards <laughs> when they're there oh good idea coach Bob everybody yeah no, yeah that's uh I agree yeah the, lots of side to side and um he was like stealing rushes from what was a career game from our boys. So it's like, just give him to Montgomery. Don't ruin this. Like he's crushing it. He's demoralizing the opponent. We can set up shot play. Like just do it, man. Stick with the players. And they, and they did not overrun Montgomery. How many runs did you say he had? Uh, let's see. Montgomery. God, not he had a hundred yards on 16 carries. 16 is nothing. Yeah. 16 is nothing for an NFL <laughs> running back. Right. Like, 
a running back, not that they should consistently have a diet of 30 carries a game, but they can hit 30. Like he he had a half game as it is. He did not right. need he did not need those carries to go anywhere else. <laughs> Remember, uh, was it 2019 opener where uh, Nagy called like 50 passes for Trubisky against the Packers? Like, yep. what are you doing? It's yep. like, man, just I know running isn't as sexy. There's no, there's not as many explosive plays, but like it just works, especially against this defense, which is like they're it's sacrificing. Yeah. yeah, so like. In, it's I, I, run. Yep. Right, right. I don't know how much our players follow scheme and all that, but basically it's like you have 11 players on each side of the ball. If you are typically, you have four people in line, um, with a few linebackers, usually it's like front seven, and then you have the remaining four in some kind of coverage, you call them secondary. So if you start putting people back, like, oh, instead of four in coverage, we're going to have a nickel, which is five in coverage, or even six, like you're taking people away from who would be stopping the run game. So as soon as you see, like, we say like cover four where there's four people back there, you know, like that's when you're like, all right, run it down their throats, like make them regret trying to stop the deep ball. And like, but, so and yeah, then they have to adjust or you run all the way into the end zone. Right. And when they adjust, that's when you can throw like, right. yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, yeah, they, they botched that. I, 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 <laughs> I, I am right there with you. I will say I thought the post-game press conference in 2019 was so funny when he was like, yeah, I guess we should have run more. <laughs> we had like five rushing plays, and they were all Mitchell Trubitsky scrambling on pass right. plays. <laughs> and like, he's literally like, I know we need to run more. I'm not an idiot. I'm like, really, though, Nagy? Yeah, but, <laughs> but you called 50 to 5. <laughs> like, what? So... I'm going to tell you, some Montgomery was 6.75 yards per carry. Uh, how many yards per attempt did Andy Dalton have? Mm, less than that. 6.5? <laughs> you had 5.4 yards per oh, attempt. Oh <laughs> my god, that's so bad. Well, at least they didn't run Montgomery more. <sighs> so, <laughs> <sighs> yeah, good thing. So, like, not only, man, so yeah, 4.1 average intended air yards. And so you're averaging, like, one yard per yard after the carry. Like, oof. I don't know. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so that that's a bummer. Okay, we're going through position here. Um, Montgomery's amazing. Uh, let's talk about cornerbacks a little bit. So, I've been harping on them all offseason. Kendall Vildor, he's my guy. I thought he looked good, and he's going to be great. I thought Jalen Johnson looked okay. Um, and then, I think it was the first snap of the game, Stafford was throwing there, and this guy's running after the um, receiver. And my wife goes, who's that guy? And I look over to that cornerback, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who that man is, who is a starting cornerback on the Bears right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was Marquis Christian, um, and he was terrible. Yeah, no, I uh, I thought Veldor and uh, Johnson were good as well, especially like as being question marks against a pretty talented offense. Uh, I was impressed with those two. Not Christian, but I was impressed with the other two. Yeah. And who knows, I think they're probably going to sign more people or maybe promote somebody from the practice squad, but um, that was that was disheartening to 
just one season away from having like uh, Kyle Fuller on the roster to see more. We Christian out there against Matt Stafford and the Rams being like, oh no, <laughs> what is this? Well, we also so. talked about like if you're going to keep all those safeties on the roster, you like almost need one of those safeties to be the nickel back. And instead, they brought in Christian as the nickel back. And then it's like, well, if he's the fifth defensive back, what are we doing here? Like, right. we, we, we kept the wrong guys then. We don't need that many safeties unless they also know what we know. And that's that Eddie Jackson sucks and he needs to get benched. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Yeah, man. I swear it's a combo. Again, like, everyone under Fangio got better, including Kyle Fuller. Like, I don't know if fans remember before well, he Fangio. He was trash year one and yeah, two. He was terrible. Like, he sat out a year just because he didn't care about the game anymore. Yeah. He, like, had, like, a, a knee scope, like, right before season. And then people were like, hey, he was our first-round pick, like, a year ago. Like, is he going to play? And Fangio's like, we only uh, bring people off injured reserve if they, like, want to come back. <laughs> and Kyle hasn't shown that yet. Like, oh goddamn. Um, and apparently, did you hear this whole story of, like, the first thing that turned Kyle Fuller's career around? No. So, supposedly, this is a little bit like Bears lore, but supposedly uh, he had just kind of, like, lost his love of the game. And it's understandable because his first year in the NFL was under uh, Mark Trestman. Um, who ruined a lot of people's love for the game. Um, but so, you know, Vic Vangio came over um, and basically took Kyle Fuller on a fishing trip. And that was where they started their bromance that became uh, a very successful career for Kyle Fuller. And I would pay um, an entire year's salary to see footage of uh, Vic Fangio, like a 65-year-old white man, and <laughs> Kyle Fuller, like a 23-year-old like superstar athlete, just hanging out for the weekend fishing. I assume they, like, shared a tent. I don't know. I'm but assuming I... Fangio just drank Fuller under the table. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, well, you can't keep up when it comes to Natty Lights. <laughs> I would love if it was just a cover story and this hit up the clubs 24-7. Yes. Like, I'll see there. Everybody. I think Fuller takes him to town. <laughs> so, I don't know. But, yeah, so Fuller was on his way to being a bust. Uh, Fangio revitalized his career. Eddie Jackson, fourth-round pick to all-pro safety, uh, now looks back on his way to being somebody who was <laughs> should you know fall to the fourth round. I don't know. Um, it's a huge bummer. I hope he turns it around, but he was bad, like the yeah. worst game of his career by far. Yep. Um, let's play a fun little game here. Uh, so. They cut Kyle Fuller to save $9 million. So, you know, all pro quarter, cut him, save $9 million. Um, how much money in total are they spending on the cornerback room right now? Cornerback? Yes, sir. God, I would guess not a lot um, based on the names there. Uh, $3 mil- I'm going to go, if there's four of them, I'm going to go $6 million this year. Oh, damn. You're you're too good at this stuff. $5.3 million is what they're spending on the corner back group. I'm going to continue this, though. So, $5.3 million, very close. Basically, you got it. How much dead money 
from Kyle Fuller's contract are they eating this year? Oh, shut up. I didn't know that was part of it. That's amazing. Tell me it's like half of it. Four and a half. $11 million. No, shut up. That's too much. Oh, so they, <laughs> oh, that, so they are eating $11 million and they saved nine. So they were going to pay him 20 They were going to pay him $20 million, which is a lot. Oh, my God. So they're eating $11 million for a guy that's not on the team who's right. an all-pro. And instead, right. they're paying... God, you know what? That's why we're not competitive. These are great decisions. (sighs) Great decisions. So they got rid of all pro corner to save uh, $9 million. Um, So apparently $9 million was very important to them. How much do you think Jimmy Graham's getting paid? No, I I know. Jimmy Graham is so bad. Is he like, is he a $10 million contract? He's $10 million. God bless it. He's so bad. He's a red zone threat. And now like, it's funny because they're like, oh, well, Cole Komet's like the guy. Yeah, he's better than Jimmy Graham. And did you see Jimmy Graham celebrate his first down catch? Let me say that again. <laughs> first down catch, not touchdown catch. First down catch. I will say it led to the Justin Fields touchdown. But, I mean, Jesus, you would have thought that he just won the like the Super Bowl and got Super Bowl MVP. And right. it was like I think he had I think that was the only catch he had all day like one catch twelve yards. Well, and boy you, was he excited. You don't know the backstory though. Um, he was going to get a free year of membership from AARP if he got first down. So that's it's nothing <laughs> that's dumb. That's what it was. Come on, he does need that because he only has ten million dollars coming his way this year. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you right now, it is not even a conversation if you said. Jimmy Graham or Kyle Fuller? That is such a joke of a question. And isn't it funny that if we said Kyle Fuller, we have one million extra dollars oh my to God. spend? <laughs> and like, I don't want to take us too far off topic, but like, a you know, an All Pro. Like, if you slice it up in any way of looking at it, like, all right, who's a better player? Kyle Fuller, without question. Like, All not Pro, maybe still in the prime of his career, if not very close. Jimmy Graham. Should be in a nursing home somewhere. I think he's only not in one because of COVID. But yeah, then you go full. Right, you go by positional value. Like a cornerback, starting cornerback is on the the field every single snap. And like, I don't know if he's a Y or U tight end, but uh, like Jimmy Graham is like basically only used in the red zone under certain personnel packages. Like it's so limited to even get use out of him, and his use is not very much. Well, and now he's literally paid to be a big body that can catch because he can't move anymore he can't get open. <laughs> right so you need the quarterback to throw a really good pass that he even has a chance to catch because he's not creating any separation Komet's better <laughs> in every way um yeah no way no way i think you get you you put your money into Komet and then you you know either get a blocking tight end another lineman or you know try to find the next young tight end but yeah, no way. I, I I mean, Graham's on there apparently just to sell jerseys because he is <laughs> not worth anywhere near that amount of money. Although I kind of feel that way about Quinn too, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. God, Quinn. Uh... <sighs> okay, remove. All right, let's talk about the defensive line actually. So, um, obviously, Akeem Hicks is incredible. Um, we actually have a clip of him from after the game talking about his sack. Let's play that now. Yeah, he really... I mean, I couldn't put it better myself, but... 
God, he's um, good. He's so good, man. I am so afraid this is the last season we'll have Akeem, and I'm just not ready to be done with him. I agree. Uh, I am a big, big fan of interior linemen uh, on defense. I think interior defensive linemen are where it's at, and outside offensive linemen are where it's at. So, um, for me, I look for a D tackle as opposed to a D end, and I look for a ta- an O tackle as opposed to a guard um, mm-hmm. as like the most impactful positions. Because if a quarterback can't step up, um, it's done. Like I feel like you could have like we have Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, which is what's so nice about it. But like if if Akeem Hicks pushes a quarterback back, the DN's job is so much easier. And D, yes. uh, defensive ends can be incredible, but if the quarterback can just step all the way back up to the line of scrimmage, there is no defensive end that gets around the tackle so much that the quarterback is like that they can get to the quarterback if they can step up that much. Um, right. I, I mean, like Tom Brady who's incredible, has only really ever struggled if the pressure's right up in his face. And it's for that exact reason. He's so good at stepping forward past the edge rushers. And when there's not interior line pressure, it just, you can't get to him. But those interior linemen make your whole team so much better. Um, and it's just a more direct line to the quarterback. So uh, that's why Donald currently has the stat of, he has the, fastest average time to rush in the NFL, I believe. So, like, over the last few seasons, not only does he have a ton of sacks, but he gets them faster than anyone else because he's getting them from the interior of the line. He doesn't have to go around anybody. He just beats you on, like, on go and is straight line to the quarterback and gets him in, like, a second and a half or two seconds or something silly. That's absurd. Yeah, I mean, that's, like... Part of why I was encouraged with the Bears offensive line, like even when the tackles suck, it's like, or at least are question marks, it's like, man, the interior linemen like look like they could be pretty good and that's what is most important. Like, yeah, you can step up, you can save an extra half second to make a throw, but like if you have interior pressure, you are so screwed. For sure. We'll see, man. It's, I mean, no matter what, like, if this is Akeem's last season with the Bears, I just want to enjoy every moment of it. And he makes it easy because he, every moment with him is stupid and violent and awesome. I loved his what seeming, I'm not going to say he's on steroids, but what seemed like roid rage after that good play. I was so <laughs> excited to watch it. He just he, I think sane. he was foaming at the mouth. Things were crazy. <laughs> I loved all of it. Hell yeah. Like, why do you have some of Stafford's hair in his teeth? What, what, what are you doing there? Yeah, he's great. Mind your business. <laughs> uh, so, defensive line. One player I want to talk about is Eddie Goldman. I don't know if people remember him, but he used to be like an all-pro level nose tackle. Um, who then, um, I think he missed the last game of 2019. And then he opted out of 2020 due to COVID, which is totally his uh, prerogative. But then he uh, didn't get the vaccine and then got COVID, um, which is how that works. Uh, which is why he missed most of preseason and all that. Um, and then he got injured and missed game one. So I don't know if Eddie Goldman is still alive or if he's just like some elaborate ruse. They're like kind of weekend at Bernie's type thing. I, I am I'm with you on that. Yeah, like it's seeming like he might actually be dead and gone and like where is he? Um, and I'm going to 
try to not make this too much just like my opinion getting mad at Eddie Goldman or someone else who's made these decisions. But uh, when I when I hear you opt out of the 2020 season, I feel like that is your choice. And by making that choice, you're telling me one story. And that one story is, I am afraid of getting COVID, so I am not going to play for my health. When you compound that decision with not getting the vaccine, you are now an idiot. Um, it, like you can you can be on either side. Like I'm not on either side. Obviously, I'm on a side. I'm vaccinated, but you can't say I'm too afraid to play. I'm not going to get vaccinated. Those are those are opposite sides of the same ar- of that argument. Like pick a side, Eddie. If you're going to not play, go get vaccinated. If you're going to be the if you're going to be you know like I don't know. If you're going to be fearless, play in 2020. If you're going to be too good for the vaccine, play in 2020. Don't opt out of the contract unless he is just off the face of the earth. Right. I've maintained on this podcast I think Eddie Goldman is an alien. Um, yeah, you did. You did. So you said it. Here which, first. <laughs> yeah, so when that comes out, um, you know, know who to tag for credit on that. But, um, yeah, I agree. It's Those are inconsistent things at best and... Uh, yeah, dishonest things, possibly. But I don't know. I, he's a good player. I hope he's on the field one of these days. I hope he's... The fact that they didn't put him on injured reserve is promising to me, but still, like, dude, you need to get on the field. It's been a minute. Uh, part of my passion there is the the COVID-19 vaccine, and part of my passion is because he is a really good defensive tackle. Yep. And when you put him next to Akeem Hicks and you have Khalil Mack on the outside it starts to not even matter that Eddie Jackson is a joke because no quarterback has time to throw the ball. Right. So, um, yeah, I would love to see him back out on the field. Yeah, it's like pick your poison with that defensive line. Like if Eddie Goldman's out there and Akeem Hicks and Khalil Mack, like, okay, you have five linemen. You need to double-team three of these people. Do that math. <laughs> yeah, correct. Like, oh, oh no. wait, and with all those double-teams – there is no such thing as a stretch block to get out to Roquan, so good luck running because <laughs> Roquan Smith is faster than your running back and he's better at coverage than anybody. So good luck. Good luck with those short intermediate passes when literally everybody's free to roam because you can't handle keeping those guys off your quarterback. <laughs> this is a little bit of an aside, but I mean, Sean Desai, you know, new defensive coordinator, I'm sure he's learning whatever. There were two plays late in the game where – the Rams clearly were like, hey, we're already ahead. We're going to burn some clock, get a safe third down and manageable so we can kick a field goal on like one of their last drives. And then they went for like a, a you know, either a screen or a running play. And both times the defensive play call accidentally gave them a wide open lane to get a first down. Yep. <laughs> and um, yeah, did you see the one I was thinking of in particular was a running play where they did like thing an outside zone. But yep. then at the same time, Sean Desai called like a stunt. And yes. so, yes. And it's like, okay. Great time to stunt Khalil Mack. <laughs> and for those of you Literally who, the first time the whole game. Right. And for those who don't know, it's like, you, the point of having a defensive line is gap integrity. Gaps being the spaces between the offensive lines. So they can run in between any offensive lineman. You want to make sure your defensive lineman is covering those at any given time. Unless it's an obvious passing down where it's like, okay, I know they're not going to try and run, therefore I can make my linemen kind of like switch amongst each other and trick the offensive line. Um, so you're giving up the chance to cover run play for the sake of potentially scheming somebody open against the offensive line um, for pass rushing. But 
if it's late in the game and the opposing team is up by a lot, they're going to run the ball. So doing a stunt there makes so little sense to me. And especially on that third down where they're obviously going for a field goal and a burn clock. It's so crazy. <laughs> it looks like, of course, they just like accidentally get like a 15-yard first down. Like, what I the hell? I completely agree. You know what? That just made me think of, too. This was my biggest beef with Nagy on the whole day, and it wasn't even benching Justin Fields. So this is just shame on Nagy, and there's no one else to point the figure at, and I forgot about it because none of the articles I read talked about it, so maybe it's here first because it pissed me off so much when it happened. What was he thinking when he accepted the penalty on fourth and three Uh. to push it to 13 and three? They were on, like, the... 30 or something, which Grant, or maybe it was just inside that. And all I can say is where they were, they were in field goal range. And we were down uh, 13. So a field goal, which is worst case scenario, is still a two possession game. And it's right. fourth down if you decline the penalty. <laughs> By accepting the penalty, they were still in field goal range. And not only did they not settle for that longer field goal, they got the first down and went and scored a touchdown. What are you doing? Like, not only did they now score a touchdown, so we're down three possessions with no time left. It burnt, like, five minutes off the clock. Like, it was literally we're getting the ball back with, like, seven minutes left to two-possession game at worst. And he accepts the penalty and ends the game. Like, oh, my God, that was the worst call of all time. And I called it as a terrible call live. I wish I was commenting so that could be, like, in fact. But I was like, no, you do not accept this penalty. That is the wrong decision. What the hell are you doing? It's a field goal attempt, even if they get a incomplete pass on the next play. Oh, my God, you can't possibly do that. And, yeah, they get a first down, and then they, you know, go, like, ten more plays we burn. We get to the point where we're burning timeouts and we're down three scores. And I'm like, this is not real. Like, I, I cannot believe this is what happened because we because we chose this. They they would have brought out a field goal team. Right. I, I don't understand. Yeah, that was yeah. I think it was the low point for me as well, where it's like, yeah, giving them the free third down, burning time for no reason. Like, in what possible way universe does this ever make sense? In fact, you know what. Um, you know what? bad. We have, um, as you know, of course, in the studio, it's, uh, myself, Patrick, uh, and Coach Bob, but we're also, um, at any given moment can tune in with, uh, Edo Bradabot. Let's do that now. Edo Bradabot, what do you think? And you do what? You idiot! <laughs> well said as always, Edo Bradabot. That is well said. Oh my mm-hmm. god, I couldn't have said it better. Yeah. I actually might need to hear it one more time. <laughs> yeah, um... Uh, Obi Bot, what are you feeling? And you do what? You idiot! <laughs> <laughs> well, that is exactly how I felt when that happened. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's it. Could use some more nuance. Uh, Ed O'Bradabot, do you want to do you want to capitalize on that a little bit? Or coach, you're really stupid, and you got some stupid offensive coordinators and some stupid quarterback coaches. It's right in front of you, folks. Oh man, that's good elaboration. Thank it you, really Obibot. <laughs> well, all right, going by position here, we've talked about the secondary, um, which it's could you imagine a year ago or even two years ago being like, 
Yeah, the bright spot in the secondary would be Kendall Wilder, and <laughs> the worst part would be Eddie Jackson. Oh, no, I would have. Yeah, I don't know. I I will say as as hard as I have been on Eddie Jackson today, which I have been pretty relentless because he was utter dog shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of the first people in line to say, "Pay the man. He is so good." A couple mm-hmm. years ago, when he was playing very well. And he was a huge piece of our number one defense. Um, and now I'll say, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. He only looked good because Goldman, Akeem Hicks, and um, Khalil Mack decided that they were not going to give an opposing quarterback more than 1.5 seconds to toss a ball up into, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And Eddie Jackson would have to do nothing but run under fly balls and catch <laughs> them for nine interceptions on the season or whatever it was. Yeah, I think... Yeah, it was a little bit of an aberration, but I think he also was playing way better. He like, was, he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he's terrible now. He is bad. Yeah, hopefully he. this is the motivation he needs to rebound. It's a long season, you know, maybe by game four he's back to his old form. And I will say even last year, like, he had so many picks returned that were called back where it's like, for penalties that had nothing to do with him, or one where it's like, he bodied a guy off for interception. They called it like pass interference. So clearly, right, wasn't right, right. stuff like that where it's like he still had flashes of being the guy. But I don't know. Um, okay, so that's secondary. Talked about the defensive line, offensive line, all of the stuff. Um, did you see anything of note from the linebackers? I thought Roquan played well. I thought he played well. I did uh, get disappointed. He got smoked in coverage one time, but he was really yeah. at a disadvantage. I think it was uh, a tight end came free. Um, maybe it was. I think it was a tight end game free, but like untouched, and yeah, he just got beat over the top. But uh, I, I still, I thought Roquan played pretty well. He he closed some gaps really fast. He had one tackle that I was super impressed with. Um, it was like on a two yard gain. He just like closed so stinking fast, went right below the block, and just like sh- sure tackled the guy and it was like man that's how you tackle like you just he had no chance um yeah so i i was impressed by him overall i thought he had one lapse and that's not too bad for a middle linebacker that's involved in like every play (laughs) yeah right yeah i think again it's like the new coordinator effect where it's like are people getting sloppier are they starting to aggress because um yeah, that wasn't too bad, and I thought Alec Ogletree looked really bad, which makes me wonder, or not really bad, but he got burned a lot in coverage, which makes he me did. wonder like how bad Danny Trevathan looked that they put him on IR. Yes. So, I don't know. Pro Football Focus gave Alec Ogletree a 29 overall rating, which was um, like really bad, but um, I don't know. We'll see if he goes better or if maybe Danny Trevathan comes back. Maybe he just needed some time to get into game shape because I know that was an issue last season. But, um, like, Roquan Smith had a 60 overall grading uh, this past game, so 29 is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Right, that's linebackers. I think we're pretty much done by position. I think it's probably time to uh, go deep and look ahead. Anything else you want to say? Uh, did... did- do you happen to have on tap the uh, pro football focus rating of Eddie Jackson? Was he trying to get his jersey number? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, yeah, so Eddie Jackson. 
<laughs> they gave him a 52 overall, and I think oh, that's they're about, being way too generous. Yeah, it's 48 and a half, 48 points too high, probably. But yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going for. Yeah, yeah, you, you crushed it. Um, <laughs> also, the new jersey number like really freaks me out. I'm, I'm me not too. into it at all. No. Me neither. I'm actually with Tom Brady on that one again. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you saw that interview. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, I think that wraps it up for the position battle. Let's uh, go deep. All right, we are looking ahead. So we're starting off the season 0-1. It's not the first time and probably won't be the last time. But looking up, we have the Bears-Bengals, um, which I think looks to be a better matchup for the Bears. And that wasn't an embarrassing game by any means this past week, so that makes me feel better. Um, what do you think? I completely agree. I uh, I think we are going to to win week two. Um, Ooh, yeah. So and I I called a loss week one. So like I'm not just uh, automatic Bears win here. I I think that we are better than the Bengals, and that is even with the Bengals pulling out their uh, week one win. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, so I know I just complained so much about how Andy Dalton dinked and dunked down the Rams' uh, defense the whole game, but that's kind of Andy Dalton's strength is uh, short to intermediate passing with anticipation. Um, what worries me a little bit is so the Bengals play usually like a single high, maybe cover two, and so your strength is kind of throwing like deep and outside and. Andy Dalton is historically not a good deep passer for the past several years. His average yards per attempt is among the lowest in the NFL. He's like a, a short passing guy. And so this, I think, is a little bit of a bad matchup for him specifically. And I wonder if we'll see more Justin Fields because he's an awesome deep passer, like historically great deep passer. Um, he is, so, and, and we might. And uh, I wouldn't mind, like, even if it was, like, one of those predetermined deep shots, like, hey, we're going to really sell the run hard. And with mm-hmm. all the movement of this guy's going this way, you know, this jet sweep's coming across the other way. Oh, wait, Justin Fields still has the ball. Bomb. Where, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's not all clear on where the ball's at and try to try to help that O-line protect him for long enough. Um, I hear you. Yeah, so, because in some ways this past game, the offensive success almost felt like a placebo. It's like they're giving up little passes, so it's like, oh yeah, we're getting them, but also like there wasn't much points on the board. It came down to like Dave Montgomery shaking off five tackles and uh, Justin Fields being superhuman. Um, so I feel like it's going to not look as nice, like there's going to be a little bit more frustration, but we'll wind up with more points. If that um, makes sense. I hear that, yep. Well, that's also because the Bengals are just worse, too. <laughs> they are worse. Uh, they have a good D-line, supposedly, but yes. they. Uh, so, stats-wise, um, I think it's going to be a good matchup on defense as well. The Bears have a very good defensive line, especially, God willing, if Eddie Goldman someday comes back. Um, and the Bengals have a bottom-tier offensive line. They were, uh, let's see, bottom, I think they were bottom five last year. Um Additionally, as far as our offense goes, the Bengals were a bottom four rushing yards allowed uh, last year, and so far they're bottom six. So it'll be a good game for Montgomery. 
and potentially a good game for our defensive line. So it seems like you're leaning towards Bears as well. I think so. Do you want to put some points on this? Yeah, I'm seeing this game going 24-21 Bears. Oh, okay. I don't think the Bears are going to do me the favor of letting me relax at all this weekend. <laughs> I think they're going to keep it close. Mm-hmm. Um, not on purpose. I think they're going to shoot themselves in the foot a little bit and keep it close. Um, but, yeah, I think they win. I don't see them scoring a ton, but I agree with you. Like, I, I see them scoring more than they did this last week, even if it's not as smooth. Um, yeah, 24-21 Bears. Okay. I think I'm going to go 24-10 Bears. Ooh, Yeah, nice. I think the defense matches up well for what the Bengals want to do. And uh, I think Joe Burrow is a fine QB, but they just, yeah, I think it's not going to work out for them. So I think the I'm, defense... I'm giving Burrow some points credit with that okay. 21. Yeah. So we'll see. They, yeah, it's, that's me. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a good matchup for defense. I think Eddie Jackson's been embarrassed enough this week that he's going to come out watching tape and all guns blazing. Um, I sure hope. This is mostly wishful thinking. <laughs> I do think. Uh, I, I do think there's going to be adjustments made by players, if not the coaches. Yeah. Um, that's why I think they're going to bounce back and win. Um, yeah. Cool, man. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, any other thoughts you want to uh, expound before we head out? Um, I don't think so. Um, yep. Oh, uh, I'm going to give you the the uh, prop bet over-under. I'm going to take the over on my own made-up prop bet that Justin Fields Ooh. will get more than five plays this week. So that was what I said earlier. I'm thinking they're going to increase his integration. So I'm taking the over on five plays Ooh, I think Fields. I am as well. Yeah, I think they're going to gradually increase them, like you said. I would love if they just, like, didn't even explicitly said that Andy Dalton wasn't the starter anymore. They slowly phased him out. <laughs> right. Like, that would be oh, no, so he great. started week four. Justin yeah. just had 35 plays. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think that'd be so amazing. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think they're going to slowly phase him in. I think he's going to get an entire series this time. Ooh, that's a bold prediction. Mine's yeah. an easy Mine's an easy assumption. That's a bold prediction. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah. I think between... Nagy feeling a little bit embarrassed by the offensive showing and uh, the excitement around fields. I think, I think he shows up. So yeah. All right. Um, otherwise, do you have anything you want to plug? I am good right now. Thank you. All right. Then we'll just plug as always uh, to get vaccinated if you haven't already. Um, the CDC has uh, obviously a website and also a hotline you can call um, to get any questions you might have over the COVID-19 vaccine, the number is 1-800-CDC-INFO, 1-800-CDC-INFO, and they are willing to talk to you any time of day about the COVID vaccine, and uh, getting it may um, help yourself and definitely help the people around you, so can't say enough, please get it. Um, Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week after a Bears victory. Let's go. We'll